This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon everybody. As we enter into 2017, we seem to be very much in a world in turmoil and a world of uncertainty. Um, this was a uh, cartoon. This will be a cartoon once it turns over. There we go. This was a cartoon uh, I saw actually yesterday uh, about the state that the world is in. Uh, here we see the world appearing to go over the edge of a cliff with a President Trump at the front and all the world leaders behind. And um, I'm not sure if it's quite, quite going to be that bad, but you can see how there is this incredible uncertainty about the world that we live in, about the politicians and the leaders who rule this world and, and where it's actually taking us. And the other thing which seemed to come out of 2017 was just how angry people are with leaders and with politicians. So in, uh, uh, in um, our country, um, in, a, in, a, in Britain, we had all the protests about the result of Brexit, about uh, Britain leaving the European Union. And then over in America more recently, in the, in the last couple of months, we've had the uh, people protesting about the results between the presidential election between Donald Trump and, and Hillary Clinton. And it just seems as though the whole world is angry. They're either angry with the people who they, did, who they uh, didn't want to win, and sometimes they're even angry with the people who they did want to win, as we'll look at in a moment. So what I'd like to do uh, this afternoon is just look at, at, at three aspects, look at, um, uh, if you like, three, uh, uh, three areas. Um, I'd like to look at, well, first of all, why are people so unhappy with their leaders? I'd like to find out and look at why does God allow this to happen? Why does God allow us to have the leaders who we do have? And I also want to ask the question, will it always be this way? Will we always be in the situation which we're at at the moment? So let's start with the first, people, first question. Why are people so unhappy at the moment? Why are they so unhappy with the leaders who, uh, or the results that people have voted for? Well, if you like, half uh, the group of people who are unhappy are unhappy because they didn't get the result that they wanted. It's as simple as that. Um, th this, is, this is called democracy. <laughs> is that if you, if you have a vote and you can vote for two options, as in, in the case of Brexit and in the case of the US elections, and you, the person that you wanted or the result that you get doesn't happen, then you're going to be upset. That, it's, that's kind of natural. That is the way democracy works. But I think the reason why people are so angry about this particular result, or these two results, is because they were so close. So in the case of Brexit, it was 51.9% voted out. So, it, you know, it couldn't really be much closer and again, with the American election, uh, Donald Trump won the collegiate uh, vote, but actually 
Clinton won the popular vote. So again, it was so close. And the thing is, is that when you get so close to something and miss out, that's when regret starts to come in. And I think part of the reason why people are so angry is because they think, well, why didn't we do something about this when we had the chance? Why did we just sit around and not, we knew we had to do something, but unfortunately in both these elections, people went, well, we think we, think we know what's going to happen, and actually the opposite did. And this is when regret starts to creep in. And we'll look at that a little later on in a different context, about knowing what you know you should do, but you don't actually do it. And sometimes we can be, uh, if we wait, leave till it's too late, then, then, then that's the end, we will have no, no more opportunity. The other thing, uh, though, is that uh, people seem to be angry, even with the people who they've elected. Um, I mean, both elections last year were, were, were quite extraordinary. But the thing is, is that politicians get elected on promises that they say that they will do. And then when the politicians turn around and say, we're not going to do them, that upsets people. Because they're voted thinking, you're going to do this, and then they don't do it. Uh, and I'm just going to show you a, a short clip, and this is an, an example, and this is, these are, if you like, are the two key points why people are so angry uh, with the, uh, with, with, um, well, already with Donald Trump, and also with the, the Brexit uh, uh, vote from last year, about people saying, I'm going to do something, and then very, very quickly changing their mind. This is a referendum about taking back control of £350 million a week, which uh, we could spend according to our priorities here in this country. It's about taking back control of our borders, and I think it's about getting back control of British democracy. The £350 million a week we send to the EU, which we will no longer send to the EU, can you guarantee that's going to go to the NHS? No, I can't, and I, and I would never have made that claim. 17 million people have voted for Leave. Yeah. Based, I don't know how many people voted on the basis of that advert, but that was a huge part of the propaganda. You're now saying that's a mistake. We have a £10 billion a year, a £34 million a day featherbed that is going to be free money that we can spend on the NHS, on schools, or whatever it is. But you're not guaranteeing that that money, as promised, We'll well, you, must you must understand, I was ostracised by the official Leave campaign and, did my, and as I've always done, there, did my own thing. Do you think there are other things that people will wake up this morning and find out aren't going to happen? But if I win, I am going to instruct my Attorney General to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation because there has never been so many lies, so much deception. There has never been anything like it. You know, it is... Uh, it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Yeah, because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. Are you going to ask for a special prosecutor to investigate Hillary Clinton over her emails? And are you, as you had said to her face, going to try and put her in jail? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to think about it. Um, I feel that I want to focus on jobs. I want to focus on health care. I want to focus on the border and immigration and doing a really great immigration bill. We want to have a great immigration bill. 
and I want to focus on all of these other things that we've been talking about you, you know, and you, get the country straightened away. You, you called her crooked Hillary, said you wanted to get in jail. Your people in your audiences kept saying, lock him up. Yeah. Well, uh, she do did, you want she to did put some a, bad things. I mean, she I did know, some bad things. I know, but a special prosecutor? You I think don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. They're, they're good people. I don't want to hurt them. And... I will give you a very, very good and definitive answer the next time we do 60 Minutes together. So, the, well, in the case of Brexit, within hours, actually, of the result being, being announced, when they said, so the 350 million is going to the NHS, no, we never, we never said that. But you had it on the side of a bus. And the same thing there with the case with uh, Donald Trump. He was very much saying, this is what we're going to do. And within, I think it was about... Um, 30 November, so sort of like, what, 20 days, somebody obviously took him to one side and said, Donald, it's not a good idea to put your opponents into prison. That's what dictators used to do, so perhaps you better move away from that. But the thing is that people voted for that. People thought that's what was going to happen, and so people are upset. So people are even upset because of the of their leaders who they, vote, they voted for. Just another couple more examples. Sometimes even the leaders are actually upset with the way things are happening in the world. This is uh, an MP called Graham Allen, and he was a, a pro-Remain uh, campaigner. The problem is that his constituency voted to leave. And he's now very much stuck between a rock and a hard place, because if he turns around and says, oh, OK, I've changed my mind, I will, I will now go with leave, then people turn around and go, well... He's not a man of principle. He just changes with the wind. He's not to be trusted. On the other hand, though, if he says, uh, no, I'm going to stick to my principles, I'm going to stay, and I'm going to uh, stay, remain, then people turn around and go, you're not representing the people that, that elected you. Therefore, you're, you're not doing your job. So you think, this, this, man, is, this, he, this man is really stuck in a rock and a, a, a hard place. And um, just one final one is sometimes politicians... They can make a promise, but then when they actually find themselves in a position, they can't do it anyway. Uh, in 2010, the Lib Dems promised to stop an increase in student uh, fees, but when they found themselves in a coalition, they couldn't keep their promise. And in the end, uh, the, the, the promise was, was broken. And they lost a huge amount of the student vote, and, and people, again, got very, very angry. Now, I'm not saying that all politicians and, and leaders are, are liars or that they're corrupt or anything like that. Many of them have very good intentions. And in fact, I've read quite a few sort of political biographies of various pe people over the years. And the one thing, though, that comes through that they all say is that when you find yourself in power, you compromise. If you want something to happen, you've got to compromise your beliefs. You've got to say... OK, well, in this case with the Lib Dem, well, we'll let that go past, we'll let the student one go past, but we'll get something else through. And all of them, um, even the ones who did, you know, who, 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 who um, on the face of it achieved great things, they all seem to come back with that sort of residing, yeah, but I had to compromise myself. And so they were never really fully happy, if you like, with their tenure as a leader. The thing is, actually, being a leader is, is hard, and, and I would never, ever want to do it. Um, 
This was a, a picture, uh, or two pictures. That was Tony Blair on his first day in office. That was Tony Blair on his last day in office. Okay, there's ten years between him and a war, but that's a man who looks as though he's been through the mill. And the same there with President Obama. That's his first union uh, address to the union um, uh, in 2009, and then uh, from last year, 2016. Again considerably greyer and with considerably more wrinkles on his face. Being a, being a world leader is not an easy task and I wouldn't want to do it. But it does seem as though we are at the stage uh, uh, at the moment where people just don't seem happy. They don't seem happy with the leaders who we've got. There is an expression in politics, isn't there, which is that you, know, you get the leaders that you deserve and you think, well, what have we done to deserve these leaders? Well, We've not done anything, because actually this is all in God's hand anyway. So I said, I asked, asking the question, why does God allow this? Why does God allow these things to happen? Well, actually what we're seeing at the moment in world politics is something that's been happening for thousands and thousands of years throughout the course of time. We read as an introduction um, Daniel chapter 4, and I'm not going to go back to it again. It was quite a, a long chapter. But in it, we see God telling King Nebuchadnezzar, who at the time was effectively the most powerful man on the earth, and he told him about what he was going to do, about how he was going to take him from being the most powerful man on the earth and turn him effectively into an animal in the field. But then he was going to restore him. And this all happened. This is where our uh, title comes from, from our, uh, our introduction. This is from Daniel 4, chapter 17. This version is on the screen or are from the uh, English Standard Version, but please, if you want to follow in uh, another version, please do. So Daniel 4, chapter, uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. This is what God said to him. Let his mind be changed from man's and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest men. So what God is saying here is that whoever is in control of our world at the moment, they are there because God has put them there. And he showed in this case of with Nebuchadnezzar, he can put them there and he can take them down and he can put them back up. God can do whatever he wants. So it's not so much that we have got the leaders that we deserve. We have got the leaders that God wants us to have. And when you approach the, if you like, the world with that slightly different attitude, it kind of is actually uh, uh, much, much more uh, uh, comforting. The thing is that God has used leaders throughout the course of history. We can go, we can open our Bibles at numerous passages and find instances where God has used leaders to fulfil His His wishes. Um, I mean, we could go to, to Exodus and we look at the relationship between Moses and Pharaoh. And again, we see how, Moses, how God used Pharaoh, building up to this, uh, the Exodus of the children of Israel. And um, we can say that there, there, there are numerous other ones. Now, the thing is that sometimes when we look at things in the short term, 
the actions seem quite harsh, and we think that that's quite a punishment to do. I mean, in the case of, of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, I mean, uh, the kingdom of Judah was, was taken, captive, uh, taken captive, and that's as, this is where we read um, in, in Daniel, and you think that's quite harsh. But when we look at all scriptures and we look at all prophecy, we start to realize that this is just a snapshot in a much bigger picture. That's easy to say, but that must have been very hard for the people at the time who were, who were uh, being held captive in, uh, in Babylon. But equally, if we think about ourselves and we think, well, I'm not particularly happy with the way the world's going now. Well, this is only a blink of an eye, if you like. This is just a process that we're going through that will, that will eventually uh, lead to something much, much better, which we'll look at uh, in a moment. Another um, person who uh, experienced in the short term um, what could appear as being quite uh, um, harsh dealings is the Apostle Paul. Now we read about uh, Paul here in the book of, uh, book of Acts and Paul was, well he was really, well, he was the first apostle, he was the first preacher. He was uh, a Roman but he was also a Jew. He converted uh, to Christianity and he, he went around the areas around, around Jerusalem, around what we class now as modern day Turkey and Greece and so forth, preaching the gospel. And the gospel, which, which we were told, which was about the fact that Jesus Christ is the saviour and that people needed to believe in him, they needed to follow him, they needed to change their ways, they needed to be baptised and if they did that then um, ultimately they would have that hope of living in his kingdom and that was that was the gospel message. Now as he was going around there and please if you want to read more about that just read through the, the sort of the, the latter chapters of, of the book of Acts you'll realise that, that, that Paul really had no fear. And Paul did not get, was never worried about upsetting anybody, and he upset lots of people. Paul seemed to spend half his time in prison. Um, he particularly upset the Jewish people because he was saying to them, Jesus was the Messiah which you've been waiting for and you crucified him. So he was, uh, he was not a popular character. And he was arrested. And the Jewish people were quite happy to try and use the Roman authorities to, to effectively um, um, shut him up. Now, Paul eventually went, well, this is ridiculous. I need to, we need to put an end to this. I'm going to appeal to Caesar, because I can, because I'm a Roman citizen. And so we then read about him going to, uh, to Rome. But there's one verse in Scripture, which I've always thought is the saddest verse I've ever, I've ever read. And I remember as a child, it used to quite upset me, this verse. And it's when in, in Acts chapter 26, and Paul is before Agrippa, and, it's, and, he put Agrippus, and Agrippa said to Festus, uh, to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And I always used to think, how disappointing. How, how uh, you know, that must have been heartbreaking for him to think. I could, have, I, I could have walked away from this if I hadn't done this. But actually, that was not the plan. That was not what God had in line for, for Paul. Because by putting Paul into Rome and he spent the rest of his life on house arrest in Rome until the day he died by doing that he actually put him at the centre of the Roman Empire 
If he'd stayed in Jerusalem and sort of doing the Middle East area, he, you know, the gospel message would have strayed to a few sort of neighbouring countries, possibly. By going to Rome, he was at the epicentre of the modern world. And he could use those lines of communication that Rome had to spread the gospel message far and wide. That's probably how it came here. You know, we were part of the, of the Roman Empire. So in the short term, Paul thinks, oh, I'm in house arrest. Of, you know, if I if hadn't appealed, I, I could have been out of this situation. But actually, when you look at the big picture, he's exactly where God wants him to be. Now, I think when we read Paul's letters, I think Paul understood that. I think sometimes we find it harder when we find ourselves in a situation like perhaps the work situation at the moment to go, I don't understand how God could possibly want this to be. But we just have to have faith. We just have to trust in God that ultimately he knows uh, what will happen and uh, he, he has uh, the world's best interests at heart. And in fact, knowing this, it actually, it does actually... Um, then again affect the way if you like our, our relationship that that we have with uh the government and, and with the, the the people that rule us this was uh, this is from uh, mark chapter 12 and this was the pharisees who were trying to effectively trick jesus so in mark chapter 12 and they, this is the Pharisees, sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Hadronians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not to be swayed by appearance, but truly teach the way of, the, the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? And this was a, a great politician's question Jesus gives a great politician's answer actually they wanted because they thought well hold on a moment they are under they, again they at this at this point the Jews are being ruled by the Romans so they thought if, if he says yes you must pay the taxes to Caesar then they're going to go well he's favouring the Romans but if he turns around and says no you shouldn't pay your taxes to Caesar then he, they've got the perfect opportunity to go to the Romans and say let's get him because have you heard what he's saying but Jesus doesn't say that. What Jesus says, he says, knowing the hypocrisy, he knew that this was a trap. He says, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they bought one and said to him, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And this is a very clear in, in instruction about making sure that people, uh, first and foremost, did what was right in the eyes of God. But he wasn't saying, don't pay taxes. He was saying, you give to him what is expected. So as, as disciples of Christ, we, we live in this world and we try and be good citizens you know we pay our taxes we do what's right we are we, are, we abide by the uh, by the law as long as that law does not interfere with our our, our worship or our, our preaching or our living the way that god tells us to in fact paul went one stage further and he said that we should pray for our leaders so if we um, just look in First Timothy uh, chapter 2. 
Paul writes, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that they may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is God. So this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour. So you may think, well, why on earth would I want to pray for our leaders? I mean, at the moment, like says, everybody, everybody seems angry with, with our leaders. But actually, we are, uh, we are in a very fortunate situation at the moment in this country, and as much that we can carry out our, our, our worship and our preaching, and nobody bothers us. In fact, nobody even seems to notice us half the time. But that's not always the case. There are other countries in the world where people can be thrown into prison for just possessing a Bible. So actually, yes, it is in our interest to pray that our leaders do continue to let us uh, live the way that we can to, to live uh, according to uh, the laws, uh, uh, the law, um, sorry, the laws of God. But what this also, I think shows us and this and the and the previous example is it does also explain why we don't get involved in politics and 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 why you'll find uh, the majority of people do not vote because if i'm honest if i was if i chose to vote in brexit i would probably have voted remain because i've grown up in the eu i've Think, I thought, well, why, why change the status quo? What's, what's the point? You know. So I think that if, if, I, if I didn't have this, I would probably have gone along with Remain. But that's not what God wanted. Equally, if I was in America, I'd find myself thinking, well, I certainly don't want Trump to be president. But God does. So what do I know? And that's why you will find that uh, as a community and as individuals, we are we are generally non-political, because we may think about things, we may have an opinion on, on things, but ultimately, what happens is down to God. And if that means that there is some pain in the short term, and I think Brexit will be short term, pain in the short term. I think we've already seen it with the with the pound and and and, and the economy. And yes, this may have effects, and this may have some effects, but God's in control. So whatever we may think is, a, is an inconvenience, it doesn't actually matter because God is in control and he has a plan and a purpose, not just with the world leaders, but with all the inhabitants of the planet that we live on. Which brings us on to our, our final point. Will it always be this way? Will we always have leaders who just effectively disappoint Categorically, no, we will not. This is not always going to be the way. In fact, when we read our scriptures, when we read the Bible, we read at length about the kingdom of God. And this kingdom will happen when God sends his son, Jesus Christ, back to this earth and will transform the earth effectively to the way it was at creation. Eden restored is an expression that's sometimes used. And Jesus will be the leader. And Jesus will be a very, very different leader from the leaders that we've been considering so far uh, this afternoon. If we just look at some of the prophecies about him, this is from Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. This is just explaining about the genealogy of, of Jesus, the fact he came from uh, the line of, uh, of King David. 
And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide dispute by what his ears hear. If we go over to uh, continue, it says, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips shall uh, he shall kill the wicked righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins so this is a very different leader to the one that we've been thinking about this is not uh, a, a leader or, or, or a, a, a judge this isn't somebody that's going to rescind on a promise this isn't somebody that's going to say something just to get into power to, to change their mind this is, isn't somebody that's going to be biased this isn't somebody that's going to be bought this isn't somebody that's going to be compromised this is a leader who will not be compromised on what he believes that's very different from the world that we live in he will be righteous and do what is right in the eyes of God we also read in, in, in scriptures and in prophecies about how the world will be. Again, a very different world. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and people shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the law from Jerusalem. And shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. And no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken for all, the peoples uh, for all the peoples walk each in the name of God but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and forever so this kingdom will be very different not only will we have a true righteous leader who um, you can say you know who, 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 who we deserve who, who is who is there to um, for us to to have complete confidence and faith and trust in the world we transformed, a world with no war, a world with no famine, a world with no illness. If we just go back to Isaiah as well, we see the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young coat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together. And a little child shall lead them, the cow and the bear shall graze, the young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So we're given this wonderful glimpse of this wonderful kingdom that's shortly to come when Jesus returns. But there are conditions. There are conditions to this. Um, I said before about when uh, Paul was teaching the uh, was was preaching the gospel message. It was that people had to believe. 
They had to believe in God. They had to believe in his son. They had to believe in his teachings. That they had to then change their ways. They had to try and do God's will more than their will. That they had to be baptised. They had to publicly show an outward demonstration that I am changing my ways. I am becoming a new person. And then they had to try and live in that light, in that in that way, the wonderful thing about the gospel, though, is do you think, well, that's that's a nice idea, but I mean, at this time of year, when everybody's taking New Year's resolutions, and you just know that by the middle of January, everybody will have broken them. So I might resolve to be a better person, but I'm 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 probably going to to break it at some point. Well, we know also that we can ask for forgiveness, and we know that God will forgive us our sins, and that we can then just carry on trying to be better people and if, if we fail we can ask for forgiveness and I can carry on trying it's wonderful it's, a, it's a, such a wonderful comforting idea that even if we fail if we know that we've failed that we can be forgiven and we can pick up where we left off and, and try and we can spend an entire lifetime doing that because the thing about this is that there have been generations of people who have died thinking that Christ will return maybe we will die before Christ returns we don't know are we the last generation we don't know but what everybody who died knew was that they would be raised that they would be raised from the dead and that they would have they would be judged in the hope that they would have a place in the kingdom so they all knew what they had to do and this is when I just want to finally think back to, about what I said earlier on about one of the reasons why people seem so angry about these elections is because the penny dropped. We should have done something. We wasn't. We thought everything would be fine. We cannot be complacent about this. We cannot just go through our lives thinking, well, it's a nice idea, but I'm not going to do anything about it just yet. Because time is running out. Because the point being is that if we die before we have made this decision, before we have committed ourselves, then that's it. We have no comeback. That's the end of our life. We were given the opportunity. If we haven't seized that opportunity in our lifetimes, then we can never seize it again. So we are given a promise of a wonderful world, of a righteous leader, of a world so different to the world that we live in today. And yes, it's painful having to live through some of the, some of the problems of our lives and some of the problems that the world throws to us at the moment. It will come to pass that it will all change. But we have to change. And the most important thing is that we don't leave it till it's too late. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk.